he didn't hold on as Enigma uh, had a drop on him, and that is going to score two, and the Mud Hens tie the game. And now the ball gets away from the home plate area, and on to third base goes Malloy. All right, welcome to episode, week seven of the Tiger Minor League Report recap podcast here at TigersMLReport.com, ML where Hillary Casillo alongside me is Chris Brown. I know it sounds weird we're doing it Monday at noon, but um, the advantages of working from home, A, and B, yesterday started off uh, bowling. Like I, I have bowled in the league a long time, so I just wanted to make sure that the first time out, I wasn't going to, and I ended up finishing right around the time we were starting the podcast anyways, but mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to make sure we had enough time. We weren't rushing through anything because it was been, it's been kind of a, a strange week involving a couple of players because we've seen some trends where it's a uh, very polarizing trends, but we'll get to all that shortly. And the Tigers kick off a series with the Kansas City Royals tonight starting at 740 and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and of course the weekend series where the Jamer Candelario World Revenge Tour uh, we'll talk about a little bit about that but if you have not please go to our Patreon Tigers Mind Loop Report you see the address right there on cross screen if you're watching us on YouTube if you're not if you're listening to the podcast first and foremost thank you we've had a we had a, our best month since we started doing this. So thank you for downloading and participating. And if you want to go to our, go to, there's a PayPal link on or to, if you want to donate, or if you're watching us on YouTube, please participate in super chats. So, but uh, Chris, it was just a, this was a busy week as far as getting clips goes across the board. Wasn't it? Yeah. You know, uh, Tuesday in particular was just a wild day. I mean, you did the cool, uh, like, Tower of Power tracker thing at the end of the night. They they got big performances from almost every prospect in the system, at least on the offensive side. It was kind of wild. Kind of petered off after that, but there were still some some big performances. We're going to get another player in the week winner. Um, so yeah, it was it was a fun week, uh, at least in terms of the individual performances. None of the teams had a particularly good week though, unfortunately. Yeah, Erie again. It's one of those things where we're looking at Erie the inconsistency of. Eerie, eerie pitching period in general, but even to the certain extent, the hitting side of things, because there was Cole Keith had a really good week, but came on. It was it, there was a period of time where he struggled. Sorry, I just the, the comment there from Sir Dusty. Thought I was going to miss the stream, but I'm stuck in line at the Secretary of State. We're just say I'm lucky being stuck here. Hey, <laughs> as long as we can, hopefully we can make it not so bad while you're waiting to get your photo taken or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's Tags it, renewed. Well, I will to be, you know what though? I, I think the secretary of state, I think Futurama captures it very well in terms of the like, bureaucracy and waiting for things. And, and uh, yeah, it's always, especially when you, you think you're, Oh yeah, I'm going to book online. I'm going to get there ahead of time. Nope. You still have to <laughs> wait in line. They, they, it's almost like they're like, they're, they are purposely going, we're going to test your patience 
because you need to get a tab done yeah, or whatever. It, you know, and I, I've only ever lived in Michigan, so uh, but I've always heard, I think the DMV is basically the, the equivalent of the Secretary of State in other states, right? That, right. You know, I don't know how they split it up everywhere, but yeah, it's never a pleasant experience for just about anybody. So sorry, Sir Dusty, but hopefully we can <laughs> keep you entertained for a little bit. But anyway, yeah, you were talking about Colt Keith, who was good this week. Uh, he's going to win an award. Uh, we, can, we can get to his stats a little bit later, but... Uh, Oops, that's the wrong one. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. We, we, but, um, yeah, it's, so, it, it uh, you know, none of the teams were better than 500 this week, even though there were some outstanding performances. And it's it's just, uh, it's kind of indicative, really, that the problem across the board was, well, at least down until Lakeland was pitching. The pitching just wasn't, wasn't quite up to snuff this week. Um, yeah, it was. It, it, across, I mean, there are some individual pitching performances, but most notably, I think the best team this week, as far as pitching went, was West Michigan. As again, it's a really good look. Great Lakes is probably the best team they faced all season. I mean, that, that, that's a yeah. team that's just built. It's just built with prospects. They have a lot of talented uh, pitching prospects too, as well. But I thought they held their own, even on, on the Garrett Burt. After we watched Garrett uh, Burhan struggle last week, he came in and, and had a really good start. But, yeah, it's more individual pitching performances. Erie had some – again, even with – it's funny, for all the struggles with their bullpen, their bullpen has been pitching better as of late. It's just the offense – like, it's just the starting rotation again. Yeah, it, it – I don't know. We can get into it a little bit more as we're going through. But they're they're – there seems to be something going on at Erie this year. And I don't know. It could just be one of those things like we saw with the Tigers all, all last year, where just nothing worked out, but to see basically everyone in Erie regress, except for Brent Herter, is just bizarre. Like everybody has, has taken a step back this year. Even like Ty Madden had an awesome first start. He hasn't come close to that in any outing since. So yeah, I don't know what's going on there. If it's, you know, like I said, you know, prospects, it's a bumpy ride with prospects, right? But uh, we can get to that a little bit more once we get into Erie. But yeah, it started with Toledo. Toledo went out to, to Omaha, where uh, it's, it's, it's generally seems to be a pretty good place to hit. And yeah. we got bounce back weeks from a couple of big prospects. Yeah. And there was a, you know, what it was interesting. You were talking about, we were just talking about Andre Lipsius last week. Was or, I'm, I'm, I feel like we had this conversation where we were saying, Oh, it's just he's going to pick it up one of these weeks soon. And I feel like because that's what happens with him. He, and you've highlighted this before, Chris, he is very, he's a very streaky hitter. He'll go through bouts of not hitting. And then he'll just when you try to count him out, he'll just come up and have a week like he did 10 for 24 and uh, make him really good, hard contact. And he defensively, I mean, he's always been solid there defensively, but it was good to see him back on a schneid, if you will. Yeah. And, I don't know. Part of the issue, and I haven't checked the Statcast data for the last week, but part of his issue this year has just been really bad, bad at ball profile. Just a lot of high fly balls, and he got those down a little bit to some more line drives this week, and also got some, you know, some ground ball hits back up the middle, and that helps. I mean, the difference between ten and you know ten hits and six hits is is maybe a little bit of luck, but yeah, I mean, it, it was the strikeouts weren't high, the, the walks were back at normal, so. Yeah, he just he just got back on track this week, and so did to a certain degree. So did Parker Meadows, who went uh, I want to say six for twenty four, six for twenty 
six for 21, two doubles, two home runs. It was good to see. You know, he's not had a great offensive start to the season. Deep to left center field. Waters races back. Turn. It's been oh, Bill. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was the Lipsius home run to left center field right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lipsius and, and Meadows have been kind of the two underperforming prospects on that team this year. And they both had big weeks, which helps. Unfortunately, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of supplemental uh, help there. I mean, uh, Jonathan Davis had a good week. He continues to play well. You know, he's a veteran. But uh, you want to see what did he do? Yeah. Eight for 17, two doubles and a homer. Um. The, the only other thing is, is, is Justin Henry Malloy didn't have a, a great week on offense. And uh, he seems to be pretty key to them playing well. And since our hot start, whatever, his last three or four weeks or whatever, he's really cooled off, and so has the team. Yeah, they haven't won. I think they haven't won a series now going back. They've lost three series in a row, I believe. So, yeah, th- three series in a row. And, and what's interesting, too, is so one of the things I, want, I was paying attention to this week was the additions to the bullpen. So the Tigers signed uh, Seth Eldridge, uh, Brandon Bristow, and Heath Hembry over the last few weeks or so. Out of all of them, Hembry had the best week. Pair, I mean, two two thirds innings, one hit, a walk, and a strikeout. So, but uh, Seth Henry Hemridge, who had some numbers struggle, he was struggling when they signed him, did not look well in his debut. And same thing with uh, Braden Bristow, who four walks, four strikeouts. It was – oh, and also the other one, I forgot, Sam Clay, who had five strikeouts and four innings of work. But, again, Omaha uh, – Omaha is – I mean, they had – I think they had uh, Drew Waters on rehab. And he was – I mean – Yeah, he had he was really two more game and a, and a double, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it – you know, Elledge actually came in and got a one-two-three inning last night. And then in his second inning, didn't get out of the, didn't get a single out. It was it was a bummer. Um, but yeah, the Omaha offense kind of put it put it to him this week. And and really, like to me, it was it was about the starting pitching this week. You got you got a the big story was you know finally a good start from Reese Olson. Start to look like he looked like last year. Five innings, one hit, two walks, nine strikeouts. You you cut it up. He was good. His changeup was really effective. He looked like a solid pitcher again. But the rest of the rotation, thirteen innings. They got 13 innings in the five other starts, and, and those starters give up 13 runs. It's it, it's kind of been that case all year long. The, the the rotation in Toledo just is incredibly pedestrian, and it's not like it's almost like they're not even really trying to have starters there. Honestly, they they've got guys that they had Miguel Del Pozo had a shortened start before he hit the IL. Uh, you know, Ashton Godot had two very short starts. It's it's just not, and it, it's. I have to believe it's by design, right? We've, we've talked about it before. It seems like you just want an army of potential long relievers there in Toledo to help the Tigers if they need it. So uh, maybe that's it, but who, but who knows? But uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't a great week for the Toledo pitching, and um, that's how you go two and four. But the, you know, the one thing I wanted I wanted to mention with Malloy, we were talking about the hitting. You know, he had a kind of a down week, but. I just looked up his stats, right? And, and there's not a huge difference between his production or between his, his raw numbers in April and May. In April, he had 344 with a 183 ISO and an 18% walk rate, which was good for a 163 WRC plus. Like, you know, he was awesome. Everybody was loving it. Uh, this this month in May, he's hitting 238, but the ISO is up to 206 and the walk rate is only down to 
uh, the, the WRC plus is 112. So why the 50 point drop? His BABIP went from 438 last month to 316 this month. So maybe he's just, you know, was getting lucky in the first month. Maybe it's a little less hard contact this month. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, we continue to get lots and lots of call him up. You know, he's the answer type stuff on our Twitter feed. And, and he hasn't been, he's been above average over the last month, but he hasn't been that sort of, you know, the, the game changer that maybe people hope he is. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I know a lot of people complain about Nick Mayton being in the lineup. Uh, we did see that he did hit an off speed. He hit off speed this weekend in Washington, which was something he has not done. But as far as the rest of the offense goes for Toledo, I mean, you can, you can hang your hat on the fact that you, you mentioned this earlier, how good of a week Parker Meadows had. He's hitting lefties better, which is a good sign. But then there's this kind of thought that him going down there has ruined all that momentum he had in spring training. But again, mm-hmm. it's spring training. I don't, I, I, yeah. I don't take spring training serious. No, it, it's it's nice to see things in spring training, but every team every spring has guys who who like show out, and then when the games actually count, you know, pitchers are starting to try to get them out. It, it, you know, it's not that they don't in spring training necessarily, but they're also working on things. So we saw Lipsius have a big spring. We saw Meadows have a big spring, and uh, we saw Mayton have a big spring, right? And he, he struggled in the big league. So it's yeah, I, I don't think. I think Parker Meadows is a guy who's who's had basically one good offensive year. It was last year. And he's doing a lot of things well. He's still – he's not striking out a ton. He's walking in a fair uh, clip. He had a really great at-bat the other night where people dug this on, on Twitter where, where they're still getting used to seeing the challenge system used in AAA. And it was a 10-pitch at-bat, and he got called out on the 10th pitch, strike three, and he instantly tapped his helmet. That's how they say, hey, I'm going to challenge. And he won the challenge. It was like, hey, screw you. I got was my 10-pitch walk. And that that kicked off the rally that helped them win the game. Was that that pitch was kind of high in the zone? No, it was actually below the zone. Oh, okay. That one was. You know what's wild is, is um, it's, you, you almost feel bad for these guys. Yesterday, Omaha, I stopped paying attention in like the seventh inning. Omaha had challenged eight pitches yesterday and got six of them right. Wow. Yump was wrong six times out of eight. Wow. So it's like, woo. That's a, that's a toughie. Um, but you know what? Get it right, right? That's, that's the hope. Uh, Speaking of getting right, though, Reese Olsen, one of the things about his start that I that I liked is that he went – his changeup. He used his changeup more, I think, than he normally does, and that was a good pitch he was able to establish on the outside part of the corner uh, – outside side of – excuse me, on the outside part of the play on the left on, – on lefties. And he was doing that very well, and I thought that – combination of when he I felt like when I, he had two walks but the times he was almost getting ahead he almost like kind of recomposed himself and then just went back to the, the change up or even like the slider slider looked pretty good yesterday too but what was most encouraging about his start was, was the fact it was efficiency because Olsen has had a lot of long innings and you pointed out this yesterday you know he worked in two innings of work just like just 17 pitches period yeah, almost had an immaculate inning again. Uh, yeah, it was nice to see him throwing strikes. The changeup has always been his best pitch in my mind. It's it's just a really, you know, upper 80s, good movement, good deception. I, I think that's his will be his best pitch going forward. 
but yeah, you, you want to see him have some success because it's been a really rough first six or seven starts for him. And so it's nice. I still think he's a reliever in the long run. Uh, he may, you know, get a start here down the road, maybe even in the next couple of weeks, just by default, given what we've seen from, you know, Joey Wentz has struggled a lot this year. And, and then you got Alex Fido in there and they may just need somebody to come up and try to give them innings. Now I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect a bunch of innings from him in his big league debut, but you never know, right? You, sometimes you just have to try it. So that was a good step in the right direction. And we saw something similar from him last year. He struggled at times and then was able, was able to figure some things out, but yeah, it's always good to see a nice strong pitching performance like that because his stuff really is good. Uh, the fastball is, is too hittable. But the main issue with him is is just command. And if he can get the command a little bit better, then he can be more effective. So we did get a question in our YouTube chat There's a, from uh, Emo Green. Does the player tapping the helmet trigger the review, or does it alert the manager to make that decision? No, they the, the players, it, you know, it might be from a team thing, but they, they don't have very long. I think they only have a, a few seconds to make yeah. the decision. And so they it's you'll either see the catcher do it, the hitter do it or the pitcher do it. And once they do it, it's, it's, uh, it's just triggered. I don't think they can, you know, talk over strategy with the manager. So you see some guys, you know, some, some guys are just doing it at the worst time. Like, Hey man, it would have been one, one if you didn't challenge that, who cares? But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's instantly. as soon as the ump, ump, ump sees it, he steps away and he triggers and then they turn it. And the whole thing is pretty quick. It's like 30, 45 yeah. seconds tops. And, uh, yeah, it's fun to me. No, I, li- I like it because then you see the instant replay and then they show that kind of like what you've seen on Fox cam where they the show the strike zone and where the pitch it, pitch landed and why it was called or what was re- yeah. re- reversed. It's it's the sort of technology we've been expecting them to use. It's been available in tennis for like 15 years, right? Yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah, the players get to trigger it. And, and, and the most successful usually are the catchers. The catchers are the ones who have the best idea. Um, but the hitters are doing better now too, so it's kind of fun. You know, it's funny you mentioned how it was featured in, in tennis, but I remember first seeing it at Wimbledon because I used to watch Wimbledon. It was like a summer thing, just whatever yeah. reason, you know, get a bowl of cereal, watch Wimbledon in the morning. Yeah, you know, and and it was, but yeah, it was the first time I seen that kind of like that slow, where if it's foul or fair. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fairly common. Kind of like growing up uh, with people our age, growing up and watching the Cubs and the Braves and stuff. I think something there's something about Wimbledon. You're home from school in the summer. You're too young to have a job. There's nothing on TV except live tennis. You go, oh, all right, I'll watch this. Let's see what Jim Courier is up to today, or Goran Ivovicevic, or Boris or, Becker. Yeah, I was gonna say, oh, Bor- yeah, Boris Becker. I remember quite fondly. Uh, Pete Sampras. Oh, oh yeah, Stephen Graham. Uh, because she grunted so loud, that was a whole thing. Like just a Jennifer Capriati, Je- yeah, year old on the cover of Sports Illustrated, ladies and gentlemen. And then she got all, cra- and then she got in the drugs and got all crazy, and then she came back, and yeah, yeah. it's weird how forcing children into sports at a very young age, at, at the highest level, has negative effects on their lifestyle. The oh, yeah, it's but who knew? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Todd Marinovich. Um, <laughs> they call him the mechanical man. They call him well. They call him. Is it called a mechanical? No, I know that's Charlie, the former Tiger. I don't know what they. Yeah. I thought they had some sort of name. name for him. All right. All right. They, Anyways, the, one other thing I wanted to, to bring up briefly. Um, yeah, yesterday, Steel Walker 
was got on base and then he was trying to still got picked off and then like came up lame and had to leave the game. He was hurt. And I think they put him on the, the IL. Maybe they didn't yet, but that's something to keep an eye on because uh, you know, he just came back from the injured list and that would open up a step spot potentially for an outfielder to move up or another player to move around. So just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and that's he had a hand injury. He got hit in spring training. That's why he was out for a period of time beforehand. So, yeah, this, this one looked more like a, a quad or a hamstring or something. Well, the name is not indicative of him seeing yeah. injury free. Anyway, that's stupid. All right, so let's go to Erie and there. Yeah, like we were mentioning earlier, Cole Keith <clears throat> had hit for the cycle, and but not to be, but he was overshadowed a little bit. And to a certain extent, by Grant Witherspoon, who's hidden in the last couple of weeks has been putting together a pretty strong run of offense. And but I mean, Cole Keith, 13 for 25. I mean, that's just that's ridiculous. That's video game like numbers. And he did have an error where I think it was a I think Wednesday or was it Thursday's game? I can't remember. Thursday or Friday. And defensively, I mean it's just you know, that's probably the only thing about this week that looks I, rough. No, I don't remember when, which one that was. He did have one where he kind of got a ground ball. It was a hard chopper and jumped up and grabbed it and then threw the ball away. I don't know if that was counted as an error or as a hit. But, yeah, I mean, it was a monster week. It started off with, with one of the, the most amazing games you'll ever see. And people probably heard the, the stat, but no big leaguer has ever had a cycle where they went six for six with two home runs. Um, it's never happened. There's only been four cycles in big league history with, with – six hits um now the minor league numbers are probably more than that just by virtue of that but it's still it's it's one it was like a unicorn game and it was crazy you know he had a home run and a, a three i think it was a home run right and a three-run triple in the first inning yeah he get five rbi by the end of the first inning uh yeah and then you know had to finish the cycle with a double or no a single two singles so he was at one point, he was four for four with a home, two home runs, a double, and a triple, and then he had two singles at the end. And then, you know, it was kind of pedestrian for the rest of the week, and then he hit home runs each of the last two games, too. And and he also had a, a deep double yesterday. This hit deep to right, and this one is... It's showing the cycle in its entirety. Yeah, and, and these, like, the, the his hits are not cheapies, man. Yeah. Like, some of the singles are, but because he puts the ball in play, and he doesn't seem to be bothered by lefties. He doesn't. He's just a really good hitter in, in the batted ball, ball profile is, is is almost ideal. Just a lot of hard contact in the air and, and plenty of it to the pole field, which is where you're going to do a lot of damage, but he's hitting. He, he also hit an opposite field home run the other day. So that's piece of hitting right there too. Yeah. He's just a, he's just a really good hitter. He's still, he'll chase a little bit up top with both fastballs and breaking balls. And sometimes you can get him to swing over a breaking ball below, but if you put it in the zone, you're you're playing with fire, because yeah. he just he just attacks the ball and he doesn't walk a ton, but it's enough right now, and he's not striking out a lot. So, just a, a really impressive offensive performance this week. And yeah, like you, you mentioned, when I mean, that was a, a shot. Poor Grant Witherspoon had his best week of the season. You know, ten for twenty or whatever, four doubles, two homers, walks more than he strikes out, steals a base, and and uh, he's just. Going to get completely overshadowed by Cole Keith, who I don't know when they're going to announce the Player of the Week award, but it will be his, I think. I think probably in the next. Usually, announce it yeah. right about right about now. Honestly, right, usually Monday, early Monday afternoon, I believe, or maybe sometimes on, maybe it's Tuesday. I can't remember. 
But either way, I, I yeah, Grant Witherspoon over the last two weeks has has a slugging percentage over uh, eight twenty nine, and he's also. But the thing is too, he's walking a lot. I mean, he was striking out quite a bit, and now it's turned up to where he's walking. Only he's walked eight times to nine strikeouts. That's a good healthy ratio there for somebody who was struggling with that earlier. But five doubles over the last two weeks. And in addition to just you talk about same thing with like Trey Cruz. Like I did an article on Trey Cruz. I thought it was important to highlight somebody else besides these two because Trey Cruz, mind you, might not have in terms of a good week. I mean, he started the week pretty strong. He had 261. He's doing enough to keep himself yeah. in the lineup. And so I, I think that while the Coquise story is fantastic, it just, for once, it's an embarrassing, it's, it's a good thing. The Tigers have a problem with having two guys on the left side of the infield, whether, because sometimes Cruz does play third, and then you have them, a Cruz at short, and also can play the outfield too. And so Witherspoon, and they, it's eerie, at least in that sense, on the offensive side of things, has enough hitting versatility that you can see one of these guys going up at Toledo at some point. I mean, Keith Wise, he might probably stay in Erie for a little longer, but either way, all three have continued to, in the last two weeks, been hidden with consistency. Yeah, now, and one thing we don't necessarily know about uh, Scott Harris, what if he values uh, if he values guys being in, in what amounts to a pennant race, right? Because Erie is even though they went three, three and three, they're a half game out of first, I think, behind Richmond. So they're in the thick of a pennant race. If they think, like, if they think the Tigers can compete this year, and they want to push Cole Keith, I can see them doing that. I don't know that, that based on what they've done so far. I don't know if they if they really think they can compete this year. But yeah, I mean, I would I would expect Keith to hang around Erie for another month or so until this the first half playoff race is decided and then uh, and then he's up to Toledo or Detroit but uh, yeah we, we don't really know yet and, and one of the interesting things and this is where we, we go back to I'm glad you talked about Trey Cruz you know had a couple doubles a couple triples three walks this week where we go back to the idea of, of the organizations the teams telling you what they think about the players without actually saying it right just, just right. based on context clues so not only is Trey Cruz playing a lot He's hitting leadoff a lot. I think he got four leadoff hits this week. Yeah, um, and you just you just juxtapose that with a couple other players from the same draft class, the twenty twenty draft. Now we actually toward the end of last year we thought that Trey Cruz was kind of falling out of favor. Uh, it seemed like you know he, he got promoted to Double A, but it seemed like it wasn't very. He was barely playing, and it seemed like he got benched basically in the playoffs or Which, down the stretch. Yeah, we thought we we heard some things. In other words, yeah. Uh, and so, but there's a new guy in charge, and and just look at like I said, Cruz is not only is Cruz playing a lot, he's got a leadoff. But I was looking, so so Cruz has 133 plate appearances this year. Daniel Cabrera has 95, and Gage Workman has 87. Cruz is getting much more playing time than these other guys. And actually, Cabrera and Workman's raw numbers are kind of better than they were last year, at least in terms of uh, you know walk rate. But it it seems like the new front office maybe has just decided that, that those guys can't hit and they're not going to waste their time on guys who they don't think can hit. I, this is all in inference for me, right? But I don't know what else you can think when they're not playing those guys and they're playing Trey Cruz. Uh, it's, it's, 
like, and it's not like Trey Cruz, like Jake Holton, I think, has the second or third most plate appearances on Erie. Strikes here. And that's because he's one of the few first basemen on the team, I think. Right. But like Cruz can play everywhere and they're still playing him. But so can Workman. Workman has played all over the infield. They could probably throw him in the outfield if they want to, but they're, they're giving Cruz the playing time. And I think that has to do with the change in leadership at the very top of what they value in players and who they think can, can help. So it's something to keep an eye on for the rest of the year, but it does just make me kind of reconsider some things about the, you know, the, the, how this, how Scott Harris is going to operate with the minor league stuff. Yeah. And that's where one of the things I did ask Cruz was, cause he had no, like he had he no, the, talk the, as he was talking about that, Lance. he was going to play the, they asked him to play the outfield and he didn't, he had no idea that was going to happen coming into spring until he got into spring training a little bit. And the fact is, I mean, he, you, we know he could because his father played outfield. His his grandfather Jose Cruz, the who played for the Astros, was a great outfielder, and so it was not too far off the realm of possibility. But the fact is, is that some of the things he was talking about, what he did to his game to improve his game and his adjustments at the plate, you can see it here firsthand. I mean, if I, if I slow it down a little bit, you look at his hands; they're still a little, at, but they're they're. They're down a little bit more. He's swinging on a higher plane. He talked about that too in the article you can find over at on our website, because Trey Cruz is one of those players that you almost don't think about based off heading the season. It's kind of for, forgotten about, but I, I really think his numbers this year are really indicative of why perhaps they draft him in the first place. They see they, they the power. We talked about this before. He's had power potential, um, but the I mean the ISO numbers. That's where it's like they're the the biggest change among any of the players in the system. And it's not just like a, uh, like a one-time thing. It's been consistently throughout the year. Right? Here we are about to end May and he's still doing this at a high level. And that is definitely worth mentioning because with Gage Workman, for example, Gage Workman over the last, I mean, he only had eight play. He only, he only had uh, eight. I'm sorry. He had bats this week and Cabrera had nine. And so, yeah. you know, you can, yeah, there you go. What were you going to say? No, I, I, no, I mean, I think that's, that's and, and yeah, but it, so it was a great article. Really, I, I thought you did a great job. You got some good insight from him about, you know, what he changed to about his swing. And yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's important to keep an eye on that. And like, like you said, he didn't know that he was going to move to the outfield and he took to it almost immediately. Like he's looked just fine out in center field. They can play all the positions now. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's to play all three outfield spots in, in three of the four infield spots. And he's got, everything is kind of like a 45 to a 55, right? Uh, I mean, maybe the hit tool is a 40 or, or lower, but everything else is good enough that, that yeah, he, he looks like he's going to be an interesting piece going forward just as, as a super utility guy. And if he's getting on base and showing power and some speed, there's value there. It's kind of a, you know, Nick Maton ish player, honestly. Yeah. We switch, switch hitter too. So it's, it's uh, you know, there's a lot to like there, uh, but again, it was kind of, you know, we, we looked at him last year and he was producing at times, but it's like, oh, I don't know about this swing. I don't know if this swing's going to work and he's worked on it and uh, things have gotten better. So yeah, definitely got to watch for the rest of the season. Now, Bruce Jane in our YouTube chat asked the white caps are tied for Least runs allowed in the division. He's last division most runs allowed. Is there a problem in the area with the, with the pitching coach? Well, I'll just say this: the pitching coach is relatively new. He's never he's, he's very very new, 
and he's had a lot of help from Gabe Alvarez in terms of trying to navigate everything. And that's probably, I mean, he had one mound visit. I mean, there like there's there's, there's things, little things that during the games you notice that he isn't doing. And I think I think he might be a little more overwhelmed. Again, that's serious, you know, speculation, of course, but that he's at yeah. this level, Chris, I don't think helps him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's his name's Juan Pimentel, I think, right? And I think he was the pitching coach in Lakeland last year. So he jumped from low A up to double A. I don't know why, you know, what, what the reasoning for that is, other than the organization must really like him or think he's good. But Dan Rickleball, that the, was a double A coach last year, I mean, that pitching staff was outstanding last year in just about every way. And it was just mentioned at the top of the show, things have all kind of gone backwards this year. And now Rickleball is down in, in – West Michigan. You know, I can see like if you if you think Rickleball is better at helping guys develop and improve, maybe you do want him lower in the organization so you can get those things done earlier. But uh, yeah, so far the results haven't been great. Now you never know. I, I'm always hesitant to blame anything on a coach. I hated when everybody blamed Scott Coolbaugh for the offense last year yeah. in, in Detroit because it's like, you know, he's not a magician. He can't force everybody to suddenly hit one particular way. But in the minors, uh, you do have to kind of speculate about it. Like, hey, is this guy not getting through to these players? Or is he not helping them prepare or getting them, you know, improve? And, and so far, I mean, Yuri has not looked good on the mound. Um, last week, I mean, th- this week, I guess, he was kind of more of the same. We saw, you know, t- Ty Madden with two really below average outings. Wilmer Flores only gave up two runs, but he was not sharp at all. It was like six hits and two walks, only four strikeouts. Gibson Long couldn't get out of the fifth inning because he walked four guys. And then Keter Montero had – that was kind of the the nightmare outing there where he, he was like an inch away from getting out of the second inning with only one run scored. The bases were loaded. He had balked in a run. Uh, and then he got like a little floating comebacker right to him. And it glanced off his glove and went, made it to a shortstop and they couldn't throw the runner out at first. You would think you get a mound visit either there or after the balk, there wasn't. And then he gave up a grand slam and that was it. And it was like, oh, it's a bummer. Six hundred runs in one and two thirds innings. He didn't pitch that poorly. He, he's, he's still got some of the best stuff on in, in the organization. He's just not, he's a guy right now who still needs to refine his command. It's kind of a resource and issue where he's got stuff, but it's either too far out of the zone or in the wrong part of the zone. And uh, yeah, you, you'd hope that a pitching coach, like we see Chris better, comes out to the mound like eight times a game. Like he's a very active pitching coach. And I don't know, maybe maybe they need a little bit more of that in Erie. But then there's Brent Herter, who just just doesn't seem to be bothered, just keeps going and, and putting up zeros for some reason. Yeah, and he's again one of the he's an exception to the rule because he's been probably Erie's best starter the entire season. And one of the things that plays up for him very well is there starts where he might not get a lot of strikeouts, but he does keep there's no walks. I mean, he has been able to limit that pretty well, comparatively speaking, in some of the other Erie starters. Like Madden, again, Madden over over his two starts. I, I don't know what happened. Maybe it's ever since that first start where we were just like jaw dropped on that first start. It's been the, that way. But as far as even the bullpen goes, see, I mean, Billy Lesnar, like another good. I mean, he's only been out one time this week or a couple, you know, one one third thing, but 
after getting roughed up, he's been pitching better, but they're putting out Bryce Tasselin out there and he's been getting rocked. Um, so it, it, this is where it's like they, I feel like even like what I, what I find the regression too is like guys like Adam Wolf, who I thought, you know, we were talking about this, that he had an outside chance to potentially make the team out of spring training. And now he, it's just, he's back to that almost, I don't want to say afterthought because yeah. that sounds really, yeah. no. You know, but I mean, he was so good last August and into September that yeah, it looked like he was a guy who'd figure some things out. And yeah, it's it's just been tough this year. I mean, that's that's kind of what we mean. Like, something's going on where they're not able to fix their problems as quickly as they need to, and and everything just kind of snowballs. And and it's been rough all year. And you you have to think if Erie had you know had any kind of middling. Uh, pitching, they'd be kind of running away with their division because the offense has been pretty solid since over the, like a month strong now. And it's just, but you know, maybe they'll figure some things out here over the next few weeks. There's certainly enough arm talent there. To, I mean, it's to the point for me where I wonder if, if Herter might get called up to Toledo, given that Toledo starters have not been good and Herter just keeps putting up zeros and it's, it's, it's funny. He's he's just not impressive to watch. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, it's it's a low nineties fastball. He'll flash you a plus slider or above average slider, I should say, and, and like a solid average changeup. And he he alternates between like hitting the corners and then throwing a, a ball like four feet out of the zone. You're like, what what's going on? And he, he's always like looking down at his landing spot, like, hey, what happened? Um, but yet he, you know, he gets ground balls when he needs to. He doesn't get hit terribly hard when he's staying on the edges. And he's a guy who's just, I don't know, he's gonna, he's gonna be a big leaguer. I think. I still don't really know what role ultimately. But the more he succeeds as a starter, the more confidence I have that he can at least give that a try in the big leagues. So that's uh, that's been good. But again, like he's been so good that he might have to go to Toledo. Um, the only other the player I wanted to mention from this past week is Dylan Dingler who, um, you know, everybody, he was on such a streak there in rehab in Lakeland in that first week back in Bowie. And he's just kind of back to being who he was before, which is, is really unfortunate. He went one for 20 last week with five walks and 10 strikeouts. And that, that kind of goes along with, you know, fortunately for, for Dingler, he's still a very good catcher, so he's going to play a lot. But he's kind of in that same boat as Workman and Cabrera a little bit, where it's like, man – why can't we get more consistency out of this bat? It's he'll look like he's an all-star and then he'll spend a week swinging under fastballs and over breaking balls and, and seemingly making no adjustments. Yeah. Really and like, what was it? I think it was Thursday. They threw him three straight sliders. It was a Thursday or Friday. And he, it, he swung every time. And you would yep. thought that you would recognize the first time or even the second time, but they threw him the same pitch and he couldn't do anything about it. By the way, we have a listener, uh, Mark, uh, chiming in on YouTube. Hi from Spain. I, I'm driving to work every day with your podcast. Thanks, great job. Thank you, Mark. We for thought listening via España. Didn't you? My... Didn't you uh, find you? You saw some people in Spain. Yeah. The, so uh... I was looking at some of the analytics. I'm like, wow, we have some listeners in Spain. So I thought maybe it was my cousins because I have cousins just live outside Madrid, and then I mm-hmm. have a, um, some uh, friends of the family live in Toledo. So I thought maybe it was them. But Mark, man, thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so my my mother was born in. Uh, Plaza 
the, the Toros. Maybe I'm camera. It's a town where the there's no bull. The head of the bulls off the. Anyway, I have a whole bunch of. I wasn't expecting Spanish or discussion of my uh, España, but Mark, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. But yeah, getting back to Dingler, Chris. It sometimes he looks like a like he just in terms of even like a, a hulking presence at the plate. Yeah, it, it 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 it's to the point where like when he's on one of those streaks, like he also is just like incredibly clutch. You're like, okay, he's coming up in the eighth inning or ninth inning. He's going to do something that's going to help him win the game. But then like, he came up. He had a a big opportunity last night in the eighth inning, I think, and and I want to say struck out on four pitches. It was like they were down eight to six or ten to eight or whatever the final score ended up being. Two men on. He was the potential go ahead run, and it was just a completely non competitive at bat. And it's it's just it's really frustrating. Baseball's very hard. He's nobody has to work harder than catchers. Although I think he was the DH yesterday, but it's it's I don't know. And anybody celebrating Dingler as taking that next step forward, I think is is you just gotta slow slow your roll, man, because he's he's just he's a lot like Jake Rogers, honestly. There's there's a lot of it's a lot of defensive ability and offensive promise, but not nearly enough consistency. Yeah, and that's where you know you bring up a good point about how Jake Rogers. You have to kind of it wasn't until he made those swing adjustments were for his front feet where it became better as a hitter. And he still has some ways to go, but I, I don't know, Chris, I, I think that when he was having a good weekend, I was just almost like uh, at, the, at the same time, what Tiger fans were like, bring him up to Toledo. And so, well, I mean, you have Nap, you have Proparski, you have, you have quite a bit up there. And I think you need the reason why AJ Hinch talked to him and was like, Hey, this is what you need to do to get to this level. And so I think that that whatever the discussion was had down in spring training is still sticking with him. So it, it, this is a guy also still trying to get healthy from a right tear meniscus, but still it's the same thing we saw last year on the golden Supreme game, where it's just like, he, it, it's almost like I, I pitch selection. He just suddenly lapses into bad habits or something. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, baseball is very hard. It's very hard to stay consistent. It's, it's just uh, it's unfortunate. I was really hoping that he would take that next step, but the last couple of weeks have been rough. Maybe he'll turn it around. Uh, last year, he had some kind of wild home road splits, so maybe we'll see that again. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll move on to uh, West Michigan. And- yeah, just this is a heads up, though. Erie is a game or just still is a half a game back of Richmond in the Southwest Division with a run differential. Run differential of minus 16 so they in terms of offense they lead the eastern league and most runs scored so again if you imagine them having a few good starts i think Erie would be unstoppable right now in that in the conference in the division or excuse me in the eastern league because the rest of the eastern league in that division is all it's like just all those teams are within a game yeah it's remarkably clustered it's like you know everybody but Bowie is is really close like altoona harrisburg they're all within like you said, a game or two. So yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a fun pennant race, but uh, yeah, just get some pitching. That's why that's where the regression of guys like Chance Kirby and Adam Wolf really hurts because those guys were huge for them last year to make the playoffs down in the second half, and and just uh, haven't had it from them this year, and, and it's a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. So move on to West Michigan, and they're three games back after playing the Great Lakes Loons in a, a series where we saw a lot of. Interesting offensive numbers too, because at one point the, the Great Lakes I think scored sixteen runs on them at one point. I think it was. Well, I don't remember which. There were there was a like a ten nothing win. There was an eleven ten game in the first first game of the series. It was 
there's a lot of offense there in in Midland. Um, that was just a rough. It was a rough week. That like you mentioned earlier, that Great Lakes team is probably the best they'll see all year. Um, you know, it's the Dodgers farm system. So not only do they have good prospects, but they have these randos who you don't think are, you know, prospects. And then a couple of years they'll be in the the majors. Like Austin Gothier, I think, is like the second best hitter in all of minor league baseball this year. He's a 24 year old in in high A, but um, they you know they were. And, and it was, man, it was just a tough series because they they had a great chance to split it. You know, they I, I mentioned that there was that 11-10 win on the first game of the week, which was, that was a wild one, super fun. It was when Pacheco hit a bomb to center, Campos hit that bomb right down the line. They kept coming back and eventually won. But the, the backbreaker was Friday night, I think. And I was texting you while this was going on, or at least earlier, where uh, Garrett Burhan had a great start. Got it up there, five innings, two hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. His best start of the year. And uh, they scored two runs in like the fourth or fifth inning, and they were holding strong. And then Chavez Fernander put out a huge fire in the eighth inning. It was a fire he started. But uh, bases loaded with, with only one out, got two strikeouts. And then Trevin Michael, who's been really good, comes out in the in the ninth and walks two guys and then gives up a three-run walk-off homer. And it was just just super deflating. If, uh, if they don't – they win that game, it's a 3-3 split, and I think – you know, they're still within striking distance at Great Lakes, but I mean, three games behind is still striking distance, but it's, it's just tough, you know, when you have a four, two or two to four head to head loss in the series. Yeah. And, and, and kind of overshadows a little bit, the somewhat of a strong p- pitching performance by some of the starters this week, except for Carlos Payne struggled. I mean, he got, it was, it was his first bad start of the year's innings, five runs on six hits. He did strike out five, but he, again, just kind of looked very hittable. I think it was a game. I think he. No, oh, no, never mind. I was thinking of somebody else who oh, this like monster shot. Jack Anderson continues to kind of regress. I'm not sure what's going on with him out of the bullpen. Uh, but Jack o, uh, Olafigan, I said his name right. Yes, um, five innings, three uh, second straight week where he's looked. He has a lot of run. I mean, yeah, this is now 15 scoreless innings for Jack yeah, Olafigan. It, it it it's it's funny. Um, Lachlan, like, you watch him and you're like, yeah, it doesn't seem all that impressive. It's it's a little herderish, if you will. Like, yeah. he's he's out there and he's not dominating, but guys, like, the one start he had was wild. It was like eight hits, but no runs or whatever against Lansing. But, yeah, this this week, uh, shut down a really good offense again. And if you look, his numbers are pretty comparable to Carlos Pena's. Uh, and he's bigger and, and arguably has better pure stuff and is younger. So suddenly, like, I don't know, maybe we need to pay a little bit more attention to, to Lachlan. Um, yeah, he had, he had a good start. And uh, I should probably cut that one up and throw it up. I don't know if we have any of him on, on our page. No, but... no, we, we, no, we do need to get some. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get that one up there. Uh, but, but, yeah, the, it was – the pitching was solid. And Will Kell had a decent start. Didn't really strike anybody out. Williander oh. Moreno. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, look at Mr. Dan Hasty. He voiced the West Michigan Whitecaps, giving us some inside information there. Daniel Hasty. Daniel Hasty, yeah. Look at, look, <laughs> by the way, I love that picture of Dan, by the way. Look at look how diaper. Di, uh, di, di, well, dapper he looks in that picture. That's a great picture. Up to 96 on Saturday. That that will play. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, yeah, so, like, there's some impressive movement there, Dan. Is this Dan Rickleball? Is, is he working some magic down there? I don't know. We'll uh, we'll have to see. But I, I guess the uh, the 
bigger there are a couple of big things that that uh, are happening to me like uh, the bullpen like I said Michael gave up that home run Tyler Madison had a really rough week gave up like four or five walks gave up his fifth home run in 21 innings he's got pretty good stuff it's just I, I feel like he might be running into trouble with a lot of fastballs elevated when when hitters do catch up to him they go a long way it's kind of the old thing we saw with Verlander like four or five years ago right when he first went to the Astros yeah but I did, I did want to highlight Blake Haloub. Uh, I'm glad you, I was gonna say I have a, he has not a lot of run in since uh, April fifteenth. He's uh, yeah, so so he's kind of a an interesting story because he was a two way player at like a D three school in Texas, and I saw him a little bit last year when we, we could briefly get to see the Lakeland games, and he looked interesting. It's an interesting arm. It's, a, it's like an over the top arm slot, mid nineties, has uh, a little bit of natural cut to it. And one of the games when I was at uh, West Michigan, I overheard, I think there were some like Padres uh, farm system trackman guys behind me talking about his, his IVB. And they were like, it's like 21. It's like an elite induced vertical break uh, on his fastball. But the big problem last year was his, his walks. He was walking, he walked like 30 and 50 innings. It was like a full 14, 50% walk rate this year, 24 strikeouts and three walks. Uh, and the only, only runs he's given up 12 hits. In 20 plus innings, only runs he's given up are on, on two home runs. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely somebody to, to keep an eye on as a reliever in the system moving forward this year. Like, it's a good arm and he's performing. Yeah, and he's come a long way. I remember like, in terms of where he, he was, uh, I did see him. He was one of the relievers I did see down in Lakeland uh, when I was down there, and he's come a long way since. And so, but another person that's come a long way, and it's been a good couple weeks, is this gentleman right here. If everybody's familiar, hold on. If everybody gets this, I'll be impressed. And they must yield. We fight just like our ancestors. Right, march down the field. Universe, you of Toledo, we will fight <laughs> for you. Fight, fight, fight. All right, I'm doing a terrible. <laughs> well, I, I love that. I love what a fight song literally says fight like 60 times. <laughs> we didn't know it was a fight like, hey, it's a fight song. Fight, 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 fight. <laughs> Settle like, down, Toledo. We <laughs> <I> understand. <laughs> well, they're just looking at him like, uh, what else can we do? Talk about fighting. Um, that, uh, rah, rah, rah. Yeah, that's another one. Oh, rah, rah, rah. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. But yeah, no, Chris Myers had, uh, had a, it was basically yesterday. He had a fantastic game yesterday. Two home runs and a double. Um, just a, it, and the, the one home run was an absolute bomb. 469 feet, they said, 111 miles off the bat. Uh, just out of the stadium, just disappeared. So, I mean, he's he's having an awfully good season. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's one of those situations. He's the first baseman only, I think. I don't know how, if he's played anywhere else. Maybe they tried him in the outfield uh, once or twice. But it's like he and Justice Bigby are, are guys that are performing at a high level that probably – you know, deserve to move up to see if they can do it at another level, but it's just there's not room for them anywhere. So, but yeah, that was uh, that was pretty fun to see, and that that was off the lefty too. That four sixty nine, left I mean, left on was, left, and it just just murdered it. Absolute blast! I should 
look look for real quick. No, and the reason I mean we're in Mac we're in Mac country, so that's the reason why I play that because I love the the Glass Bowl is one of my favorite places to see a football game. If you get a chance to go see a University of Toledo football game, go do so because it is a fun time and the intimacy of that field is really cool. And the Friday because sometimes we'll have it on a Saturday night, and when they were on ESPN, and my buddy. Went to law school down there. It was my first time going to a game. I think I went to a University of Toledo game before I actually went to a, a game at the Big House. And I still remember my first game. It was, it was again, this is when Toledo had, I think this was days of Chester, uh, the running back they had out of River Rouge, uh, Chester Taylor, oh. I think it was. He ended up having a pretty good. Decent career, yeah. Career, yeah. yeah. So if you get a chance to go, that and Bowling Green, too, they're really right down I-75 if you're, in the southeastern Michigan area, good places to see football. But no, and and Bigby continues over the last two weeks. He's still hitting 400. He's still it's a player that we're going to probably start highlighting more on our website. And and I'll have to ask if we can get some uh, quotes from him and go down. There. We're going to try to hopefully go to a game this week as West Michigan is back. And Friday play seems Monday. like Friday seems like a good time to go. Uh, yes, as we were tipped off that that Troy Melton has been promoted to West Michigan and is scheduled to start on Friday night. And that seems like as good a time as any to go. He's one of the few guys, you know, few pitchers we haven't seen in person this year. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's an exciting arm. Maybe one of the hardest, probably the hardest throwing starting pitcher in the system, averaging 95, 96 with his fastball up to 98. I feel bad for Lakeland's rotation because they don't really have much after that. It just kind of, after Milton left, it's like, uh, Yeah, we're getting that a little bit. But um, maybe yeah. there's some. Maybe, yeah, yeah, no. Well, I, I, did, I just want to mention Isaac Pacheco because the reason yeah. why he had a good week, 8 for 22, but the, the stat I wanted to look at the most is his walks and strikeouts. He had been striking out quite a bit. He wasn't walking as much, but I thought he had some really good at-bats against the Loons, and I thought that overall, again, it's the little things you may not notice in the box score, but I thought Pacheco had a really good bounce-back week and hitting the ball consistently, Chris. No, absolutely, and, and it's, it's one of those – Things you just see over the course of the season. He was so hot early at the beginning of the season, uh, like especially in Lansing. And then it looked for a couple of weeks like he just wasn't picking up the ball very well. And, and he started to pick up the ball again. At least that's what it looked like this this week. He was making some good takes. And then you see someone on the, the opposite side, like Danny Soretti, over the last couple of weeks has, has started to look a little bit like he he's not picking up the ball terribly well. He's still doing okay, but we've seen some swings from him that you don't you haven't seen earlier in the year. But it's just one of those up and down things. They were talking. Dan Dickerson was talking on the radio the other day with Cameron Maven, and, and he think he was talking about Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. They were saying, like Riley Green said, you know, everybody goes through. There are times where you see the ball and times when you don't. And and the best hitters, they they see the ball longer, and the times when they don't see the ball aren't, aren't as long. And that's basically it. And it just happens to every hitter. Um, because baseball is very, very hard. And uh, so, yeah, it was nice to see Pacheco pick it up a little bit this week. Uh, we, we believe in his talent quite a bit. Uh, still, at least he had four or five home runs this year. Yeah. Decent walk rate. The strikeout rate was up a little bit. I think hopefully that'll continue to come down. And yeah, he's, he's part of the future of this the, the organization. Probably the best um, defender at third base among the three kind of big third base prospects. Malloy, Keith, and Pacheco. Pacheco looks like he'll stick there long term for sure. So, yeah, you just hope that the bat keeps coming along and definitely a, a nice sign of progress. A nice, uh, you know, and Michael Daniel mentions we need a left-handed first baseman, period. 
he ain't wrong about that. I mean, it's uh, it's it's, it's something the Tigers haven't done in a time. But... I mean, do you do you like okay? Do you really, or do you just need power hitting left hander somewhere? Because third baseman will work just fine if you've got yeah, that... power hitting right handed first baseman and a left handed left hitting third baseman. I think it's fine. Um, you know, prime Cecil Fielder was doing okay at first base as a right hander, so like, you just need production, right? That's what you need. I mean, maybe yeah, Keith and, moves there, maybe Pacheco moves there down the road, but I wouldn't yeah, force it because you need it. Because didn't Fangraphs say they would see him at first base? Was it Fangraphs that said that? that Which one, Keith or Pacheco? Uh, Keith. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, when we came into the year talking about how I thought he was going to have to move to the outfield, and first base is always a possibility because he was so big in, in the AFL last year, but he slimmed down a little bit, and, and he has been working on his defense to the point where he's going to start at third base in the major leagues, I think. Whether he sticks there, who knows? But I think he's going to get a chance to to prove he can play there. Um, and maybe down the road he does move to first base, and you just you only care about the bat. But strange things happen at the big league level, right? Like uh, Byron Buxton, probably one of the best center fielders in baseball. He's a DH now because he can't play center field without getting hurt. And his bat is so good that they're like, no, no more of that for you. <laughs> it's like, all right, sure. So, uh, yeah. We'll see what happens I, down the road. Yeah, no, no, no problem, Michael. And yeah, you bring up uh, Daryl Evans and Norm Cash. Man, Daryl Evans, I just, I think about his 1987 season because he had to play third because the Tigers at that point ran their patience ran out with Darnell Coles, and he regressed a little bit. And Sparky had to put him back at third, a position he had played since I think he was with the Giants, I think, or maybe the Braves. And um, he played first and third. At the age of 39, 38, 39 years old. I mean, that's if you look at his 87th season, he played all over the infield wherever Sparky needed him to. And it's impressive. It's uh, to me, it's one of the most underrated seasons of all time because I mean, Alan Trammell's numbers indicated he should win the MVP, and we can go on. And that's a that's a that's a uh, podcast show we could do yeah. all day, every day. But um, yeah. Daryl Evans gets very that he was. He, Big reason why they won the division in '87. Yeah, you got a you know, forty-year-old hitting thirty-plus home runs and and walking. Oh, it was like 40. Wow, yeah. yeah, yeah in '87, yeah. yeah, it, 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 yeah, he was he's a great one of the great underrated players uh, of the last you know, fifty years or whatever. Remember we, yeah. we had Dan Samborski on, I think, right? And we talked about Daryl Evans in '73 hit forty home runs. Uh, I think Hank Aaron also hit forty home runs that year. I, I may be mistaken. <laughs> Um, and then he, and then he went, or no, no, it was, he hit 40 home runs in 73 and then he had four, four home runs, 40 home runs in 85. It wasn't that Hank Aaron did it that year, but it was, I was asking Dan, like the biggest gap between 40 home run seasons. He thought Aaron did it like 51 and like 769 or something like that. Yeah. Just, nope. just a remarkable career for a dude that, uh, doesn't get, he gets plenty of love in Detroit, but outside of Detroit. I don't no, know. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he gets enough love outside of Detroit. And Walter was a good question here on YouTube. He says, Seems like everybody everything's backlog on the heading side because of the major league roster. For development's sake, is a change in order, or will they wait a month or so? I think personally they're going to wait a little longer because they. We've seen this happen, for example, with the pitchers. Uh, somebody was asking on Twitter the other day, "Why are the pitchers in Erie only throwing four innings?" Well, mandated by the by the team. So in May they changed up to five. So who knows what they're going to do in June? So I think there's going to be certain. Um, uh, milestones, if you will, not milestones, but maybe perhaps even like, okay, we're going to 
some we're gonna tr- something else is gonna be part of the plan. They have a big overview plan, and whatever is gonna be part of it, um, will be included. So, yeah, there's always, um, always development takes priority over what's going on uh, in terms of wins and losses. But yeah, the big league level. Then we talked about it in, in the other show. The and I I don't know if this is has anything to do with it, but the the super two threshold which for anybody who doesn't know that basically, you know, big leaguers, they come up, they have three years of uh, basically making the major, major league minimum, which is about $700,000 now, I think. Uh, And then they become arbitration eligible and teams have control of them for six years. So some teams play around and keep a guy in the minors for two, three weeks, and then get effectively seven years out of them for the price of six. If you will. One of the ways that, that, baseball or, uh, you know, the players have tried to combat that is with the super two status. So in terms of playing time, guys who come up like that, if they're in the top 22% of playing time, they get a fourth arbitration year, which could be, you know, multiple millions of dollars more down the road. And the way the teams get around that is by waiting an extra, you know, two months to make sure that players can't get those, you know, be in the top 22% of playing time. And uh, and that may be what the Tigers are doing with Malloy before they send down, you know, if they, they part ways with Scope or, or Short or whomever. But I don't know. I, I We'll see. We'll see what happens. If Malloy suddenly comes up to Detroit uh, this weekend, then that's what happens. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think that they just are, are not eager to part ways with guys that are paying a decent amount of money to Scope, namely, um, yeah. until – I mean, he's he's seemingly proven that it's not going to happen, but I just I don't know if they're in the in the business of eating his contract. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, like if if Scopes goes, then Malloy might come up, and then Keith might go to AAA, and then yeah, you'll see a bunch of movement everywhere. But if if those things happen, they'll be happening in the next month or so. Oh, so Walter, uh, okay, I, I see what you're saying, Walter. You said not even think about development on the major league level, but say guys like Bigby and Myers needing to go to Double A or Keith to Toledo. Look, I, I, again, this is just me, but I don't. I think the difference there's not much of a there's a small difference between Triple A and Double A. To mm-hmm. me, there. To, that's just to me. That's just me. Um, but I honestly think that like if he if 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 Cole Keith goes to Toledo and continues to do the same thing then then at some point you're gonna i don't think it could be i don't i don't think i don't think it'll be a september call but i think they're gonna wait till next year i think they're gonna give him enough reps defensively at third to see if he's a long-term solution at third base again there's some i don't know chris like i know you see in in triple a you see those veteran pitchers who are on their last legs or their roster fodder they're either or or rehab assignments but I, I don't think if you're going to, in terms of even like the Eastern League, for example, the Eastern League is considered what a, p- a pitching friendly league, correct? Because Eastern League is, I think, is neutral. On the ballpark, right? Or is because it depends yeah. on the ballpark. Yeah, the, the ballparks in the Eastern League are, are more friendly than uh, the Midwest League or the Florida State League, pretty across the board. But you do have more talented pitchers there. Um, and, and I think the International League is pretty neutral as well. With yeah, the exception they, of the teams out west. Well, yeah. Or the, the, the Pacific, specific, yes. Yeah, the Pacific Coast League is a little bit funky because of elevation and things like that. There's some there's some 
teams in in the international league that have you know box parks but um yeah i, I, mean, I think you're right like, there's not a huge difference in the talent level between double a and triple a what you what you see a little bit is there's just better pitching in terms of guys know how to target you and, and command and control and attack your weaknesses a little bit in triple a and some guys need to see that guys need to see more you know five breaking balls in one at bat uh, or just no fastballs. It's just stuff like that where they're like, oh, man, like these guys are going to try everything to get me out. Whereas there's still a little bit more development happening in double A. Guys are still working on their stuff. But you'll 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 see better pure stuff in double A than you see double A. Just uh, it, it's weird. A lot of the stuff stays about the same throughout the minors. You'll see guys in low A throwing upper 90s with a nasty breaking ball. They can't command it and can't do it consistently enough. And that's what happens as you go up higher is, is guys are more consistent and they start knowing how to pitch. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen guys go straight from double A to the majors before. Cameron Maven did it. Al, Alex Avila did it pretty successfully. Uh, so it, it's possible we can see something like that. But I, I think you're right. I think they're going to take it slow with Colt Keith. There's no real reason to rush unless you know it's another month into the season and the tigers are still competing maybe they're even in first place in the division and they go you know what we could really use a left-handed bat you know what we have in the minors pretty good left-handed bat let's bring him up it seems unlikely to me but we'll see well the reason why mason angler for example can make that jump is because he was doing that in the southern league and that league is a notoriously hitter-friendly hitter league. If you're dominating pitching-wise in the Southern League, that's a, that raises a couple eyebrows. I mean, if you're doing what Engler did last year, now you can see why the Tigers picked him in the Rule 5 draft. So that's that's where an example of a league would come into play. When somebody like If you go in the Pacific Coast League and you're raking, like, for example, Zach McKenzie was when he was in Oklahoma City for the Dodgers, you can go, well... Eh, you know, like you always kind of go eh with it because of elevation of the ballparks uh, or just even talent level wise. I mean, if a guy's posting a 7.5 ERA, seven and a half ERA in, in AAA uh, Pacific Coast League, forget about it. He's, you know, I don't know what use he would be on a major league level. Not to be rude, but it's true. But, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things, too, where for me, I think Walter brings up a good point about Justin Justice Bigby, because we saw this with Ben Algeri, Chris. I mean, you see this last month. Can Algeri hit advanced spin? Can he do that double A? Yeah, and, and so far he's he's kind of staying afloat. He had a couple doubles yesterday. It's not he's not you know destroying the league like he was uh, in the Midwest League in the first uh, few weeks of the season. It, but then the the the, the issue becomes uh, the priority, the priority level of these prospects, right? Like. It's one thing for guys to produce, but if they don't, the organization believes, doesn't necessarily believe that they are high-level prospects. They're the ones evaluating them. They see every, you know, they, they talk to the managers. They know, like, here's this guy's weaknesses. We don't think it's going to work at a higher level. Then they don't view Justice Bigby as a, a higher priority prospect than, say, like, even like a Diego Rincones or something like that, right? Like, So they're not going to bump him up and, and send Rincones down or get rid of Rincones because they, they need... They need players at every level. Sometimes what you do see is, is guys just get their way out of it. They just like, you. I'm giving you no choice. That was Kerry Carpenter last year, right? Kerry Carpenter, now they kept him in, in Erie until the playoff uh, you know, run was, was over, and then they moved him up because they, 
he had given them no choice. He was just bombing the ball to the point that like double A was was wasn't going to happen. And then he went to triple A and kept hitting. And they're like, well, I guess I guess we've got no choice. Let's bring him up. Also, let's fire Alavila on the same day. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> so so yeah, like a guy like Myers, a guy like Big B, we like them. They're producing, but I, I don't think they're necessarily priority prospects to the, the Tigers. Uh, they'll probably move up eventually, but that's going to take a whole bunch of other moves to happen first. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I want to mention, speaking we, as we hit Lakeland, one player who's been involved in Erie and we've had on the show, Max Green. Max Green is back on the uh, on the comeback trail for uh, in terms of rehabbing. We're uh, we're Ma- I don't want to say where Max Green stands. I would I would have to give credit to James Chipman who gave us the. Oh, you guys should pay attention to Max Green, and he's back from I believe it was Tommy John. So it's good to see him pitch. But as far as Lakeland goes, they they split three three. Again, it was one of those things where the the pitching wasn't it was I mean it was actually a little better than anticipated. Uh, they did have Sean Gunther who's still doing his rehab down there, which helped. But Asano Asano Reyes had a really good week. I mean he he had went six for seventeen, batted three fifty three, four twenty one, and eight twenty four. The OPS over a thousand, and that was a probably the most promising part. Him and Luke Gold both were productive in terms of the infield and jose jose de la cruz who we was he was on a top 25 he's now off of it he's back but he's making hard contact and that's a promising thing this was the same de la cruz that two years ago we saw that was trying to come together a little bit and then he excuse me fell off the wagon but chris that was an out of all the things we saw this week in lakeland that we could see technically um De La Cruz, in talking to uh, Sherry a little bit, um, she was just telling me that he had some really good at-bats. And overall, was actually coming back home, I thought that Lakeland had a pretty solid week. Yeah, you know, they they, uh, they won it on a walk-off on Sunday. That's a fun way to cap off the week. But, yeah, it's, it's a good reminder that players take a long time, particularly some international players can take a long time to figure things out. Adenso Reyes and Jose De La Cruz, both have tremendous raw power, like ridiculous 112, 113 mile an hour exit velocity at their peak. Like it's, it's up there with anybody else in the system, but they're really raw. They're guys who struck out a ton. They don't walk a lot, but they're making some progress in that regard. I think, you know, Reyes, what just a, a couple walks or a couple strikeouts this week, a couple walks to go along with them with some power. That's a really good thing to see. And, and De La Cruz is showing kind of some of the same stuff. So, yeah, it's it's those are promising developments from those guys. It's, sometimes it just takes a long time. The tools are there, but it's just the feel for the game that, that needs to come along. So, I agree with you. Those, those kind of two of the, the the highlights. Luke Gold, you mentioned he did he did wake up a little bit with his bat this week. Unfortunately, he's now on the injured list. I don't know what happened, uh, but that's a bummer because he's been kind of off to a slow start. Um, and then yeah, you know. The Max Green thing is very cool. He's one of the few players in the system remaining from the 2017 draft. It's the same draft they took Alex Fajardo and Will Best. And and Max Green has been, you know, slow going for him with injuries, but he's a lefty who's been up to the upper 90s, so you don't want to give up on that. Um, yeah, and the only other, like, the uh, one batter I wanted to bring up is, is Peyton Graham, you know, their second-round pick from last year. Just four 
four for 17 this week, I think, a double home run, three walks, three strikeouts. But what it really looks like when you look at his numbers, he's not striking out a ton. He's walking a fair amount. He's got 10 steals, I think. He's got a couple home runs. But the, the BABIP isn't terribly high, and the average is super low. And I think, honestly, I think he's just not strong enough. And you, you see it when you look at him. Like, he's capable of hitting the ball hard. But he's so skinny that it's just like it's not consistent enough, and I don't I don't know what they can do. We know that they've changed the nutrition in the system this year. It was one of the big things, but yeah, pump it up, yeah. But, but I don't know, man. He's just so skinny. He looks like Chet Holmgren. He's just a guy that you just wonder if you can ever get any weight on him, like a Tristan McKenzie type. But but I think there's some some things there to be, uh, you know, I don't know about excited about, but but that there's some indicators there that he he has the ability. It's just a matter of like what can you do with him physically. Right, because um, he—I mean—he's a three-year college player, and he's struggling to hit 200 in, in low A. That's not great, but everything else that he's doing suggests that he's not like overmatched by strikes, not striking out too much, and things like that. It's—it's just—I don't know—he needs to produce a little bit more. But uh, you'd like to see the more of a barrel a barrel the ball up a little bit, and that's kind of something he's been lacking. But uh, yeah, the uh, and the one other thing I wanted to mention—I saw this. Carlos Marcano is a kid we've talked about a few times. Because uh, he's only 19, he was one of the youngest pitchers in the, in the Florida State League last year. He's repeating this year. He's got a starter's arsenal. He's just kind of a little bit undersized, but he was up to 96 yesterday, hit 95 multiple times. He's throwing harder this year, and and suddenly that makes him kind of intriguing to me. Because like, he was mostly low 90s last year with a sinker, and uh, this year it's up to mid 90s, and that gives you something to work with. So he's a guy I think we want to keep an eye on as the rest of the season goes along to see if he can keep that velocity up because you can, that'll play. It's uh, so yeah, just a, uh, it's, it's, it's tough letting this year in Lakeland. We've talked about it a bunch. There's, there's not a ton of super exciting prospects just yet, but uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. The, the complex leagues start the first week of June. So just two weeks from now, uh, and then we'll start to see some players get folded in, I think, from there if they have hot starts. And who knows? Maybe maybe Lakeland can take off in the second half of the year. By the way, Jake Miller, who got bombed last week, had, a, had actually one of the better weeks among the relievers, four innings, two hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. So that's another encouraging sign there too because he is, uh, as far as like just – he was not missing any bats in against Clearwater or Bradenton whatsoever. Yeah, the, the, you know the the starters that they drafted last year have by and large not been great. Uh, Joe Miller and Jake Miller, always going to confuse those two. They're both lefties. They haven't done a whole lot of you know great. They you got uh, Cole Patton who was like the seventeenth rounder. He's been pitching down there. There was another Cole, the kid from Kentucky, who I don't think has started yet. I've forgotten his his last name, but he was injured. Um. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, we put up a video up of Garrett Apker, who was a non-drafted free agent they signed. They got Max Alba down there, a non-drafted free agent. There's just, like you said, with, with Melton gone, there's not a whole lot of uh, premium names down there. So we're just kind of waiting for some guys to pop up and maybe take a step forward. Walter is correct. Yeah, Lakeland's going to have probably Scooble and Manning down there at some point pitching. And, yeah, I'm like I said, I'm – once the draft is over, I think we're we're, we're going to try to head down there. And uh, now that I have a place to stay, stay for a long time. I can stay down for a couple of weeks and maybe a couple of weeks. We'll see. Fingers crossed. But um, Cole, by the way, it's funny. I was thinking about the name Cole. And for 
how much popular of a baby name that is because it just seems like it's in the last 10 20 years it's cole 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 and it's ranked as one of the top five so um but yeah there will be so speaking of that oh so yeah, there it up? is eastern league player of the week cole keith there it is all right hold on where is it where's dan exquisite <laughs> that ball yeah. is gone such a all-time cole and- keith and also that boy is good mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um so not a surprise but uh that is Erie's fourth or fifth player of the week we've had Cruz, they've had workman I, I, feel, I feel like there was one more Who um, we missing? i feel like did we're Daniel, missing any cabrera didn't get one did he no. no 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 um was it a pitcher they may have had a pitcher but i thought that they had three Hitters and then, and then was it, my, was, it wasn't my, Je- my no, Jerry. No, I think I think it might have been Keith. I think Keith has had two weeks. Now. Oh, okay, maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, but uh, yeah, congrats yeah. to him on another award. And uh, yeah, yeah, Walter said he's doing them. Yeah, so far <laughs> that that every time the player gets the, the wins the East League Player of the Week award, they kind of struggle after that. But it's no Madden. It's, it's, it's not the Madden curse, ladies and gentlemen. It is not the Madden curse. So I don't. Think, I don't. Huh. No, I mean, I, I think he's a good enough hitter that he's not going to. Yeah. He may struggle a little bit, but he's going to be fine in, in the long run. Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, what we've seen with Cole Keith is something that. Uh, we're, we're, okay. This might sound like I'm being extreme, but I'm not. I promise you. What we're seeing with Cole Keith is something we have not seen on in the last. I mean, we could talk about Riley Green. We could talk about. But in, as, far as, as far as infielders go. <laughs> In terms of hitting with consistency, I've never seen a Tiger prospect in the last decade that's doing what Cole Keith's doing right now, period. I mean, I I can't think of any. I can't think of guys who are going up there and knowing full well that they're going to do something. I mean, it, 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 the, the ability for him to turn up, like when we're watching that cycle earlier, what opposite field. You notice that the hits were just like evenly distributed a little bit. And to me, that's just like, that's a pure hitter right there. And you have to, I don't know, Chris, it's, it's one of those things where we've been, you know, as long as we've been doing this, I mean, mm-hmm. really, really looking at prospects. I mean, you've been looking at prospects longer than I have, but Chris, I, I can't think of anybody I've seen do this. No, no, he's, uh, I mean, like you, you mentioned Riley Green. Like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's Green-esque, really. It, it's, um, it's a guy that you just figure if they put the ball in the zone, he's going to do damage. And, like you said, he's going to all fields. We we talked to him about that. You said whenever he goes to the opposite field, it's not on purpose. It's a mistake. But I, yeah. it's funny to be able to hit a mistake 330 feet to the opposite field because he's done that <laughs> several times. So um, that's, yeah, I think he's just a good, it's a good swing plane. It's, it's built for power and built for hard contact. I mean, the one home run he hit yesterday off the scoreboard, that, that thing left like a rocket. It was just like it hung up in the zone. I think it was a change up. And he just demolished it. It, it almost looked like a like uh like the i don't know how to describe it, but like the screen pause and then just like shot off the screen like there was a, an error in the film but uh <laughs> yeah he's, he's a really good hitter and uh, it's exciting to have that um you know double a uh, the big leagues is a whole different animal and they will find his weaknesses and, and exploit them but he's and, and what we've seen from keith historically is that he kind of struggles the first few weeks to a month when he moves up a level generally 
Um, and then he kind of figures it out. And and it and it's, it mostly seems like he just gets a little bit antsy. Like he starts chasing pitches he doesn't normally chase uh, early on. And then we saw it last year in West Michigan, or the you know his first uh, taste of West Michigan two years ago. Then last year he absolutely took off around this time of time of year last season before the injury. So yeah, he's got a WR. Ladies and gentlemen, he has a WRC plus of one fifty six right now. And think about it this way: this is about the time he, I think he that injury happened in the beginning of June, was it? Or I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, if you look at so. He has 216 plate. He has 169 plate appearances right now. Compared to speaking last year, we had 216 before the injury. Okay, mm-hmm. so he has right now a slash line of 309, 379, 577, with a WRC plus of 156 through 169 plate appearances. His stats are identical right now: nine home runs, 31 RBIs, exact same point, and he's doing this at a higher level. And fewer player pitches, right? Like and, you, said, and fewer like, player pitches, Chris. I, I want to say I was trying to look at it now, but it's Fangrass isn't coming up. But I want to say his WRC plus was one seventeen coming into the week, and then yes. he just went absolutely bonkers. Um, I mean, that's what he's he's capable of. So, yeah, I don't know if he if he if he keeps doing this for another couple of weeks. Again, it's gonna it's gonna depend on how much Harris cares about guys playing and pennant race conditions. And how much they want him at higher levels, but he's going to be in Toledo or Detroit before too long if he keeps it like this. Chris, his WRC plus was one fourteen heading this week. One fourteen. And they bumped, and he bumped up to one fifty six. Yeah, forty two. Well, going Holy thirteen shit. for twenty four or whatever yeah. with uh, what was it? Uh, seven extra base hits and four walks. That will do, do that. That will do. But my God, just insane. So my God. Oh, oh my God! All right, well, one, thank uh, you. What's up? Go ahead. Just one last thing. I, uh, we don't need to to do this. Spend too much time on it because, uh, yeah, well, there's not a whole lot to talk about. But I've got the. Uh, we're going to start doing the the draft coverage coming up because the draft is college season is essentially the regular season is essentially over, and this is where at the part now where pitchers really start to make a name for themselves with you know full season performances. But uh, yeah, so I'm starting with the outfield because. The Tigers are are most likely going to take an outfielder with their first pick this year, and it's arguably the best outfielder class of all time. So uh, now, you know, this is beforehand. Hindsight will probably say, nah, it didn't work out that way. But uh, right now you're looking at four of the first five picks are probably going to be outfielders, and a couple of them are, you know, seemingly once every decade type hitters, and they just happen to be in the same draft. So, yeah, it's it's an exciting group. And then there's good depth too. So, you know, people to, you know, check for that in the next day or two. Yeah, we definitely, we also have, so the recap, I'll be finishing up the written recap here probably the next hour or two along with the podcast. So they'll be all embedded in one link. But if you want to go ahead and go to a Tiger ML report right now, check out the player profile that Jerry did on Eduardo Rodriguez. And so these are kind of player profiles we're going to be. Uh, adding out there more and more. Someone will be behind the Patreon wall, which includes our StatCast article. So that will be, that we'll definitely be having that hopefully caught up sometime soon. And uh, yeah, the, the trail cruise articles up there as well. Uh, the latest motor city metrics podcast and more. So tigers, It's not just the minor leagues. We're doing tigers all day. 
in terms of even just to cover the big league team as well. So we'll be hitting up with the draft coverage. Check out for that. And of course, if you want to help us out on the website, of course, patreon.com forward slash Tigerman report, subscribe, putting some content out there. Admittedly, we have not put something out there in a week. So I apologize. But like I said, with all the extra stuff out there on our YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube page if you haven't already. Tigers ML or Tigers Minor League Report on YouTube. And uh, there's a PayPal link if you want to donate a few bucks to help us out with everything. So, like, for example, Friday, we're going to be out, heading out there and looking forward to seeing Troy Melton. And I think we're going to head in Erie again here in a couple of weeks or probably within a month or so. So there will be some roster changes that probably will happen. But um, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it for watching us on YouTube. Thank you for watching. And, uh, oh, I wanted to thank everybody who's been listening on the podcast side. We actually hit the top 200 podcasts in baseball for the and, minor league pod. Uh, yeah for minor league pod so i think that's pretty cool i want to thank everybody who has supported us since day one so again i i will say this until i can't stop saying this again we thank you honestly it's it's really cool and the c motor c metrics right there too among that that's just just a thrill like n- nothing else and so but um at any rate we'll see you next week we'll see you out there friday if you're gonna be out west michigan come say hi and uh, I might be, I might go to Toledo tomorrow, Wednesday. I'm not sure. I'll, it depends. So, Walter, thank you. Michael, thank you. Everybody on YouTube, Dan Hasty, if you're still watching, still watching, thank you. And we'll talk to you later this week. So long.